You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people, and they said, What is this we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him, and took six hundred chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them encamped at the sea by Pi-Hahiroth in front of Baal-Zephon. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of the Lord who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic. 
clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The water returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant, Moses. Well, church, um, we are today continuing in our um, time in the book of Exodus, uh, which has just been an absolute epic, epic read. Uh, as we've been journeying with the Israelites, as we've been journeying and seeing this God and what he can do, his great power, um, the promises that he has for his people, uh, and also just the way that he's just so personally relating uh, with his people and, yeah, putting Egypt in their place. Um, we, uh, we thought about at the very start of this series uh, how um, the book of Exodus is full of these moments that I, what I called at the start, God, I see what you did there. We think about this idea of like, God, I see what you did there. Last week, uh, we saw uh, one of the most amazing, epic, I see what you did there's uh, in the way that the Passover meal is, in fact, just the beta version or the first draft for the Lord's Supper, uh, that as the... Um, as the lamb was slaughtered in place of the Israelites, um, Jesus was slaughtered in our place. The week before that, we got to see how the um, the plagues, um, they were a demonstration of God's power to show his authority over the Egyptian gods, little g gods. And then we see later on in the New Testament that there is Jesus who shows these amazing signs to show his power over the little g gods of the world and to show that he is the living God. And we could go on and on and on. We can show you how most Jesus is the better Moses, that there's, there's huge parallels that run all the way through the book of Exodus. It is an amazing insight into God's just creative genius to have this historical event that is also now an illustration for what we get to walk in today that in the new and better version that as we follow Jesus Christ. Um, Exodus, truly, truly epic. Now, where are we going today? Um, this is uh, just, <laughs> it is an amazing, I took the time to read through the passage because it is incredible, right? It's this backing in of, of, of God's people, there's the crossing of the Red Sea, like insane, absolutely insane that God would deliver his people in such a way. Um, 
Now, where are we going today? Why do you all have Zoom open? Um, what I would love for us to see, and I'm sort of going to state it up front, is that the story or the, the section of scripture that we've heard read today and what's led up to it is continues this illustration of the way that God works for us today in that it is two things that we can draw from this lived-out illustration. I want us to see how this is really a picture of the road of redemption and also it helps us begin to see it is our cycle of sanctification, a road to redemption and a cycle of sanctification. All right, first we're going to walk through a little bit of recap, okay? This first box up here, this first circle we set up here, is we're seeing the, the context for where we are currently is that we have Israel as slaves in Egypt. That's where things start. That's what we've seen so far at the very start of this narrative is that um, Israel, they had started in, um, that they were originally in Egypt because Joseph from Genesis, the story has just continued on. Now, things were pretty good with Joseph. He got to be 2IC of all of Egypt. But then <laughs> a couple of pharaohs in, and as Israel grows and as God fulfills his promises of blessing and of children, still yet to see land, the Israel Israelites are growing in this land of Egypt, and then this becomes a problem for one of the later pharaohs, and he puts them into posture of slavery. So they are slaves in Egypt. Now, we saw early in the book that Moses is then sent by God as a messenger. Moses as God's messenger. And massage. I should actually, preliminary statement, public school, my English is terrible. So please, no one, um, no one be too judgmental of my English. Moses as messenger. And Moses came with a message. He basically just laid out what's going to happen, didn't he? He said, this is what it's going to look like. God is going to come down uh, and then you are going to be, God will take you. God will redeem you. God will show off his glory. God will show that basically he is the God. He is who he is. God calls him. God says his name. I am who I am. And we see there that God's plan and his, and his personality, well, God's plan, his personality, he's revealed to the Israelites, primarily through the plagues. So we have the Israelites. They're in Egypt. They've had this message from Moses, and now they've also had these confirming signs from God that has accompanied Moses' message. We also have these Egyptians that are seeing God's power at work now on behalf of the Israelites that there's been plague after plague after plague after plague, each plague getting a little bit more personal, each plague showing an, an even greater divide over who was God's people and who is not God's people. And what does this lead to? Well, of course, as the Israelites are seeing God fight for them and begin to win over the Israelite gods, and as the Israelite gods begin to fall down after God's power after power after power, they, have, they are then growing in a confidence to then begin journey by faith, um, begin a journey out of Egypt. Can't see if that was spelled Egypt right. Got teachers in this room. I'm incredibly nervous. Six out of ten. I'll take that. That is a credit. That is a credit. That's, they say P's get degrees and credits are even better. So we've got the Israelites now journeying out of Jesus, out of Egypt. 
That was last week, the final plague, which was the Passover. There's this, there's this moment where God shows his power. There's this, there's a slaughtering of the lamb as the, as the angel of death goes through the land. And now God's people have been thrust out of Egypt by Pharaoh. Pharaoh has just said, get out, get out. And now they are on the move. They're on the move. They've got their kneading bowls under their shirts as they're running along, which I kind of like that image. Um, you know, just is hilarious. Oh, don't forget my bowl. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and now we've got to our, where our reading picked up today. There is a God is leading his people with a cloud. He's leading his people out of Egypt with this cloud. And they're on their way out and they're walking they're walking with God by day and by night, and they're on this they're on this journey with God. Now, super super interesting at this point, right? Like they're kind of out of Egypt, like they're out, but they're not really. And it's just like, what's what's going on? Like they that God has taken this them this roundabout way and they're still blocked in. Like they're setting up camp, facing kind of like Seems like the wrong direction. Like, what's going on there? And then God does this fascinating move for both the Egyptians and the Israelites. Like, on one hand, you'd be like, God, how is this loving? And God allows Egypt to pursue his people. There is this pursuit of this, of what's left of Egypt's army, we should say, because there's been blind, there's been darkness and grasshoppers and hail and death of the firstborn. So what's left is basically this army of horsemen and chariots. That's like in old, old, old this in the age that we're in, that's like being pursued by a bunch of tanks. Like the chariots, they're, they're a big deal. Like the, the horses move quick and then when they're moving a big wooden chariot, you that's not, and, and look, you're still running with your bowl. <laughs> like what? What's going on? So that right now, there's like, there's this fear. Is it like, we thought we were out. What are we doing? Like, what's, what's going on here, God? And that's expressed. It's expressed in the, in the passage that we heard read, isn't it? They say back, they say back to, um, to, to, to Moses, um, they're just like, it would have been better if we just died in the wilderness. Oh, if we just died in Egypt. Like, we should have just been slaves to Pharaoh. I would have rather worship Pharaoh than die out here in the bush. Like, come on, come on. But then what do we see happens next? There is a uh, there is a reminder. There is a reminder of what um, God has said he's going to do. And that is Moses saying to the people, fear not. Fear not. You, what do you have to do, guys? What do you have to do? This is your job description on the way out of Exodus. Just shut up. <laughs> Just be silent. And the Lord will fight for you. The Lord will fight for you. Man, if there is a fridge verse in the section that we looked at today, man, I'm whacking that one on the fridge and I'm just being like, man, what it would have been like to be an Egyptian in those days. Moses getting up, fear not, the Lord will fight for you. And how does he fight? How does he fight? He gets Moses to participate in this amazing act of redemption. He's like, lift up your hand over the Red Sea. And okay, Moses like, oh right here, God. I guess I'm I'm doing the thing now. Like, what's 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 and then the cloud moves behind the people and acts as this force field, this shield of protection, this front line of defense, and literally the ocean splits in half. 
No one saw that coming. <laughs> no one saw that coming. Like it's, uh, it's. I was. I, I mean, I. I mean, I, I think most. Some of us have probably watched the old cartoons of how this has looked like, and it happens pretty quickly. It's just like boom, and then. And then they go. But the, the, you read through the passage, you read it slowly, and you're marrying the text. And this is something that's like it was happening all night. This fierce east wind blowing through the camp in the in darkness. Like, that would have been terrifying. Like, what is going on? Like, I'm in this moment of just turmoil and just the unknown, and it's just it's really windy, but then you're picking outside your tent, you know, you're trying to open it up, and then you see the wind, the sea begin to open up. And there's literally this pathway which God provides for you. And what do you have to do? Fear not, be silent, and just follow the God, follow God's lead as He delivers you. Incredible. 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 That God would deliver His people in such a miraculous way. And then what is the response? What is the response? So they're on the other side of the sea and there's like helmets and shields and a few, you know, bodies floating in the water. Like literally just said in a few verses before, the Egyptians that you're fleeing from now, you'll never see them again. You'll never see them again. Like, and they don't. Like they're, they're dead. Like they've been dealt with. They who are pursuing you to take you down, God has taken them down on your behalf. And what do we see on the other side of that? There's confidence. There's joy. There's, there's sin. Twice, singing, and there's peace. What an appropriate response! What more do you have? What more, God? Like God, it says, "I will sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider, He has thrown into the sea." Now, that's, that's not like, oh, how God, God, how could you do that? That is God taking care of evil in this world. That is awesome. The very fact that God would crush all the things that are going to corrupt the people and the, his children that he loves, he gets rid of it. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Confidence, joy, singing, peace, the elation that God's people would have felt on the other side of that because they now stand on the other side of God's judgment. Egypt completely dealt with. It's gone. We're now just with God. The cloud's still before them. God is with us and we're going to journey with him. What can, what can man do? What can man do? Now that's just awesome. Like Exodus, how good. Like how good that we get to have this little piece of history saved for us of the character of God and how good for those of us that know God as loving Father, that know Jesus as being brought to God through the personal work of Jesus, how good for us that know him as Father to be able to enjoy him and know that he's ours. And I would plead with you if you don't know God, he can be your Father too. And we want to talk about that today as well. Now, pretty epic. I've talked about that this passage is a massive, I see what you did there, okay? So we're going to go around the circles again. I want us to think about how we've got, this is a picture of our road of redemption as well. 
So you see now in red. So we had God's people, slaves in Egypt. We've been saying throughout this series that the book of Exodus, you know, a story of freedom, that Egypt is like a type of sin, right? You can be a slave in Egypt. You can be a slave to sin. Or you can just be a slave to the curse of this world. You can be, you are stuck in this place where there is an, there is a dictator of the land that has control over you. And then your actions are going to be in slavery to this sin dictator. All right, so that is our state. That is where we were. Perhaps maybe you still are, still in the frustration of the curse of this world. But then we also, on the other side, in the New Testament, God doesn't only send his messenger. God sends who? His son. God sends his son, Jesus. We read in John 3, 16, uh, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believe in him, believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So we have Jesus, the new and better Moses, coming to be the deliverer on behalf of God's people after the Exodus event. Now we saw that there was God's plan and his person, that person was revealed in the plagues. In Jesus, this messenger, we see the person of Jesus revealed to be God through his life, death, and resurrection. The Apostle John writes at the, in the closing chapters of his gospel, so his biography of Jesus, and John is the one who probably most accurately or be, who best records Jesus' signs as being sort of markers to his divinity, right? Jesus is God. And John Give sort of the purpose statement in the back of his gospel in John twenty twenty one. John, sorry, John twenty thirty one. He says these are written. So this gospel is written. This biography of Jesus is written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. By believing you may have life in His name so we have this the person and work of jesus which is he has come and he is showing his authority now over this world as god come in to rescue us that it's uh that as we sit back and we feel enslaved to the egypt or to the sin that is in our lives or of this world we're now not looking to moses we get to look to jesus who is alive and who is at work and who is still working who will return and so as for the as for the Israel, after they saw the plagues, they had this confidence. After they say, God, God fighting for them, they had this longing to then journey with God out of Egypt. And for, for us who have seen Jesus, who hear the words of Jesus, we also can hear Jesus' call to us, which is the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. So we then have this call to follow Jesus. That word there that Jesus uses to repent, so it literally means just to turn around. It means to go in a new direction. It's not to exist where you currently are, but it's to turn from those things and to turn towards him. So there's now this journey out of sin, out of Egypt as God's people. And rather than us today or the world today, or if you're going to walk with Jesus from today, rather than being led by a cloud, we get to be led by Christ. 
We have his words pointed for us in Scripture. We know that all Scripture is one big, long story pointing to the person and work of Jesus. We've already seen a lot of that in Exodus. And we have this leading of Jesus. We have this drawing of Jesus. We have this teaching of Jesus, which is like so much better than a cloud, right? <laughs> like, it's just like we're walking with God today. Where are you going? Just follow that thing. Just follow the cloud. Okay, cool. Whereas us, how good, like in here, sweeter than honey, the bread of life. It gives, it's like Jesus. Like we, oh, I've been reading like through John this week, like the prayers of Jesus, like just for his disciples, like, oh, so good. You don't get that out of the cloud. But when you get to hear what Jesus has prayed for you and for me, wow, there is leading. There is that comfort, comfort and leading in that. So, so far we're working around. Slave to sin, drawn out, hear the words of Jesus, see the authority of Jesus, see the person and work and the majesty and the love and the wonderfulness of Jesus and then respond to Jesus, begin to follow after Jesus and now rather than uh, journeying in a wilderness following a cloud, we just journey through life with Jesus, don't we? We're in this journey phase with Jesus. It is like a wilderness. We saw in our recent sermon series, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said in Matthew seven fourteen, the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. The gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. We journey with Jesus. But then, as Israel had sin pursue them, we also all know, don't we, that sin seek to sneak up on us. That while we live in this life, there is still this wrestle with our old master of sin, the one that we used to um, submit to, but now we we don't. We want to submit to Jesus. Uh, now we, we we don't want to we don't want to listen to that. We don't want to give in to that. But it still sneaks up, doesn't it? One one Peter five eight. It says, "Be watchful." talking to Christians here, be watchful, your adversary, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And often our response in that stage as well, it can be just much like the Egyptians, can't it? We can be like, man, it just would have been better if I just didn't start this whole Christian thing, right? You know, life would have just been much better if I could have just, like, not had to, you know, give in to all those rules. You know, if only I could just do what I want. I, I'd rather serve Pharaoh. I'd rather serve the things that I think are going to suit me better right now as opposed to wander around in this wilderness with what feels like an army of tanks coming to charge me down. But then we also, we also have words, don't we? We also have words... That Moses said, said to the Israelites, you know, fear not, be silent, the Lord will fight for you. We can come back to the words of Scripture. So encouraged in this moment, thinking through this, we come back to just this, there's so many promises in God's word that just, just, just to hold on to. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved through faith, through your belief, through trusting in Jesus, in the personal work of Jesus. And this is not your own doing. It's not, it's not your work. 
It's it's not your own energy. It's not your own effort. You're not striving. You're not pursuing. It's 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 if you feel weak, like it's that's okay, it's fine because you're not doing it. It is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. To me, that sounds like fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will work for you today. He will fight for you, and you only have to remain silent. And that's our experience, isn't it? I hope it is your experience, trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ on your behalf, that we also, as we cling to him, as we are joined to him in repentance and faith, as we seek after him and as, as, as his Holy Spirit takes up residence in our heart, as he takes out our old heart and gives us a new heart, which has an affection for and a desire for and a longing to follow after Jesus, we can trust that Jesus saves that we can walk through the judgment of God on that final day and that we will be safe and that the waters won't close in on us because we're with Jesus Christ, God's Son. Romans 10.9, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then what is the result of that? I don't even have to write anything in that last circle. Confidence, joy, singing, peace, remembering the words of Romans 8.31. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Like, What can man do to me? Like, I'm on Jesus' team. I don't know if you've seen the final score. We win. <laughs> By a lot. <laughs> There's no third umpire. It's like <laughs> confidence, joy, singing, peace. That should That is our response to the saving work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. What have we done? We've put our faith in him, our trust in him. We've, just, we've seen his glory. We've seen his lordship. We've said no to the old way of life and we've said yes to his way of life. We've walked with him through the wilderness, trusting that he will fight for us, praying dependently that he would continue to guide us and protect us, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. And remember that it's Jesus that saves us. It's not our own work. It's his work on our behalf that we put our faith and trust into. And then if we're not putting our faith and trust into saving ourselves, we've got a whole lot of energy left to put our to put into just living after him, no? Just to just to just to continue to seek him. It's just like, wow, man, I don't need to make my life perfect. I just need to get to know Jesus more. Who has given me his Holy Spirit to work inside of me, to change my life from the inside out so I might look more like him. Like, man, that's that's Christianity I'm signing up for. <laughs> like, all other religions of the world, you know, you can be a Buddhist or you can, you know, become a Hindu, and it's just like, just try and try and try and try and try and try and try, and if you've done enough, yeah, you can not be a cockroach. But Jesus, he's just like, I've done it all. Come home. Don't worry. Just... Let's do life together. Journey with me.
So we see there this road to redemption laid out to it, laid out for us in the picture of Exodus, this cycle that God also brings us through, which is amazing. You can see this physical illustration that's happened in history, which is for us today. But I'm also really mindful that in our experience, um, we're not always living in that last bubble, are we? Like, I know even from just this last week, I mean, I was saying it before, like, this this last week, I, like, I felt like a wedding planner for, like, Bridezilla, whose name is COVID-19. <laughs> like, everything that kept changing and venue changing and restrictions changing and people doing things and they're not doing things and then people, and then it was just like, ah! Oh! And then, you know, just, just, and it's just like, you know, right now, God, I don't know how well I'm going at the whole confidence thing and the whole joy thing, the whole singing thing, the peace thing. Kind of feel a little bit strung out right now. I'm not in that last bubble. That's why I want us to see that this process, the way I've drawn it like this, this isn't just the linear journey of the Christian life. Right? It's not just like we start here and then boom, and then we're done. And then life is airy fairy and we just put on smiles and we wear short sleeve shirts and black ties. Like sorry, it's not in my notes. It's also what I'd love for us to see, a cycle of, don't get the words right, sanctification. A cycle of sanctification. Sanctification is how our lives will continue to, as we continue to journey with Jesus, being sanctified or being the journey of sanctification is every day becoming more like Jesus. Okay, the beauty, one of the beauties of the Christian life is that you should be able to look back, of, like look back to a month ago, and be like, "I'm a different person. I look a little bit more like Jesus than I did a month ago." So it's like there's things in my life that just like I now like there's stuff that I just hate that I just never want to do again, and that's beautiful. Like our 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 new heart is start is beating and pumping. And we begin to be, as we're exercising our faith in, in Jesus Christ, right? There's also things that we're doing that we never thought we would ever do before. Like planning a church. But, you know, there's, there's, there's all of a sudden, there's, there's now there's new loves and there's new desires and there's, 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 there's stuff going on as we begin to see more of who God is and what he's done and, and his work in our life. And, and we just, it's like this relationship that continues to grow and just gets better and better and better and better and better. And that's why I think it's really helpful to see that this isn't just a, a linear journey, but it's actually a, it can be a cycle of sanctification that we keep going round and round and round and round in. Because I don't know about you, but I dare I say that in this room, maybe online, for some of you that maybe right now you still feel like you're a slave to sin. Some of you that feel like you're still stuck in that little spot in, this, in a certain area of your life where you still feel like you're in the, an Egypt of your life, that it's got hold of you. Or maybe you're, you're, in a, you're in a time of life where you just feel like there's this sin that just keeps sneaking up on you. That that devil is prowling around like a roaring lion and he feels like he's got his teeth in you. Or maybe you're just feeling dry. Maybe you're just at a point in life where it's just like, look, I don't have that confidence. I just don't quite have that joy. I'm not ready to sing. I don't have that, that peace. 
I kind of feel like I'm just in that scared moment or I kind of feel like I'm just in the wandering moment through the wilderness. And I think it's really, really important to just say, hey, like, that's normal. That's okay. It's okay to feel that, that way. But I draw this picture today to remind us that there's always a next step. There's always something for us to do so that we don't get stuck in that, in that place. Maybe, you're, maybe, maybe you feel like you're stuck in that first bubble. You're stuck being a slave to whatever that thing is in your life that has a grip on you. You can remind yourself today that God has sent his son. And you can look towards that next bubble. You can look towards that next. You can, you can remind yourself and you can look into and you can stare deeply into the person and work of Jesus. Like that's the beauty of, of God's teaching to us. Like it's just, it's just so much in the Bible that just covers off on our entire experience. And if you ever just like get stuck on a, I don't know, you know, what, what it is, Jesus doesn't know how I'm feeling right now. So it's like there's a verse for that too. Like Jesus was tempted like us, in every, like tempted in every way like us. Like that is why he is our great high priest. Like there was 40 days that he spent in the wilderness being directly tempted by the devil and he overcame that. And you can remember that I just, I'm, going to, I'm going to not fix my eyes on my circumstance here, but I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith. I'm going to fear not. I'm just going to remain silent and trust him to fight on my behalf. I'm just going to draw near to him. And maybe you just need to have that reminder. You need to just maybe get to that, get, get to that next step where you just need, Jesus, I just need you to, fall, to, to lead me in this time. Again, I'm going to repent of that thing. I'm going to turn away from it, and I'm going to follow after you. It was the reform, reformer Martin Luther. He said the Christian life is one of daily repentance, daily repentance. Every day we wake up and say, God, I'm after you today. I'm following after you. It's not just one thing. We make a couple of promises. We go to a Christian camp, and we have this great experience, and we say that we're a Christian, and we get baptized, and then we're done. Every day. It's every day. We journey with God every day. Maybe you feel that there's, there's that sin that keeps sneaking up on you. Just bring yourself back to the words of Scripture. By grace you have been saved. Your life is hidden in Christ. Just like you just, if, you're, if your heart is just postured and orientated towards him, you can trust in him to fight on your behalf. Now, I'm just, I, don't want to, I just don't want to say that like, Theoretically, but like I know this to be my experience. Like, and it, it, and this is just one of the wonderful mysteries of who God is. It's just so awesome. Just that God, like, there's there's things that's just like in my life. I'm like, man, I hate that I do that. And just being able to commit that to prayer and pray that out loud and and engage with Him and then open up His book and be like, what does He have to say about that? And then really, like, that is. Pretty much as far as it has gone. That sounds so simple. That sounds so basic. That is so not like personal training culture that we hear today of like, you know, try harder. It has just been a desire to be like, Jesus, I just want to be more like you. I'm so sorry. Please change me. And he has. That's awesome. And I can't explain how, I mean, you can't explain. I mean, God, he's amazing. Holy Spirit changing us. Like, that's how you explain it. But you can't explain that to the world around you. Like, it's just like, yeah, but what did you do? Uh, pray. 
yeah, but yeah, but what did you actually do? Like, no, no, like, I just, I have different affections now. No, but yeah, seriously, man, what did, like, why don't you do that? that no, like, seriously, God's that good. Um, so see this as this cycle, but also remember, um, if you could put a line in here as well, like this, uh, can I do a line? Double line. The last two, I think, are also the hardest. And we can often feel like we're not in that, always in that plate of, of confidence and joy and singing and peace. The last two are the hardest, and we feel like we are in and out of those two a lot. It's because we quite haven't seen their full physical fulfillment yet. We've only had that fulfilled spiritually. So... We see there that Red Sea moment, Egypt passes through. That's God's judgment, final judgment on, on Egypt. Crash, done. And then there's this rejoicing that happens on the other side of that. Now, we are at, I feel like for us, we know this spiritually, but we haven't seen those last two physically. We know this spiritually, but we haven't seen these last two physically. Jesus has died on the cross for our sin. Our pass over land takes away the sin of the world, but yet we are still yet to see that final judgment day, aren't we? Like there will be a day where we will confidently march towards, like for lack of a better word, the pearly gates, and we can do that because we know that we are covered by Christ and we can confidently go through the judgment of God to that place. Like that's the confidence that we have. And we can be confident in that. We can have joy in that. We can sing in response to that. And we can have peace in that. But it's a spiritual reality, not yet a physical one. It's what the Bible would call the concept of the now but not yet kingdom of God. When Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. We're following after him. We're journeying with him. Like that is secure. Like if you love Jesus, trust Jesus, you're going to go through that final flood. You're going to go through that. You're going to go with Jesus through there. And we are going to sing. That first first round, like you mean, I was looking at this, the first, first time we go through that and we kind of get that concept of like going through the waters, the first way of doing that, it's like the process is where you get wet. Like that's baptism, going through the waters of judgment. You know, if, you know we get baptised. We're saying, yep, yeah, Jesus, I'm clinging to you. The only way I'm coming out of this water is if I'm with you, let's go. I'm on, I'm on board. Repent. Away from that thing, with that thing, join to Christ. First version of this cycle, we're getting wet. Second version version of that cycle, we get fed. We come back to the Lord's Lord's Supper and we remember and we remember and we remember and we remember, proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. Revelation, sorry. Revelation um, 15, 3, I guess I say what I say about the now but not yet. I say that because the lyrics of the song that we read today and what finish out in chapter 15, they come up again later in the Bible, like last book of the Bible. When John looks to when the people of God are with God in heaven, Revelation 15, it says, Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing, 
seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last, for with them the wrath of God is finished. And what I saw, saw appeared, what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire, water imagery, and all those who had overcome the beast and its image and the number of its name, standing beside the sea of glass. So we've got a people standing next to this sea, and they had harps of harps of God in their hands, and they sung, what did they sing? They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the land, Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord, God the Almighty, just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. So Exodus not only picks up this pattern for what we also experience, but it also is showing us the ex- of what we can look forward to experiencing. Sorry, Sue. <laughs> it picks up this pattern of what we will experience and thus eschatological hope. Anyway, there you go, Siri. Sorry, I've said a lot. I just really want us to get this. I want us to understand this concept of this physical experience that Exodus points forward to that we will have and that we are in and that we can have. And it's not just this one linear line, but it's, it's one that will continue to go around and around and around, but we can frame it in what we know is next as we keep looking to Jesus, as we keep knowing that we can walk with Jesus, and as we also know that there's things that have been achieved spiritually that then we get to practice now physically. knowing that Jesus has saved us. And we can practice singing now, knowing that Jesus has saved us. We can practice having a peace now, knowing that Jesus has saved us. We can be confident in our decisions to follow God, knowing that Jesus has saved us. It's a spiritual reality that is rock hard, immovable. So church, I just want to call you to remember as you think about Exodus and as you think about your own life and where you are at in your journey with Jesus Be someone that continues to remember, remember what has been before, remember what lies ahead. Be someone that is every day repenting. I'm not going that way. I'm going that way. I'm I'm walking on the dry ground. I'm not standing still. I'm walking. I'm going after what God has, the place where God has me to go. And we're also going to go rejoicing, knowing in what's secure, knowing in what we have for us. So, church, that's a lot. Pretty sure on an Instagram video I said it'd be a shorter service, um, which it will be. But I hope that is helpful for you. It's been helpful for me to think about it this week in just the rubbish of what's happened in the last week. Um, so when you find yourselves in the moments of just where to next, hopefully this crazy picture that you saw on a Zoom screen might give you some direction as we seek to go with Jesus in it together. Um, let me pray for us. Our dearest Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you so much for the imagery and the teaching that you give us in the book of Exodus. We thank you that it just it just expands throughout all of time and it speaks into our most deep and intimate experiences of walking and journeying with you. Whether it's coming out of sin for the first time whether it's committing to follow you, Jesus, in the waters of baptism, whether it is just coming back around to remember that Lord's Supper of when you bought us, 
with your blood. I pray for each and every single person here in this room and on the Zoom. I pray that you would help us to be a church that is good at remembering all that you have done and what you will do. Help us to be a church that is every day repenting and following after Jesus, taking steps in that direction, and help us to be a church that is that rejoices in what has been achieved spiritually uh, and what we look forward to walking in physically. So we give you thanks in your precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.